0: Awesome, but at the time, same time, pretty scary happened to them. Like, has anyone won Powerball Lotto? <laughs> like, 26 million. Like, I mean, that, that's what I mean. That's an example. Kind of awesome. And where is your time. <laughs> <laughs> Steve would like to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of thing. I mean, it's not something you could put on Facebook, could you? He's like, hey guys, just won 26 million. Woohoo. Uh, and you'd have every man and his horse um, with their hand out waiting for money at your door what would you do if you won some, something like Powerball or had something similar like that happen who would you talk to, who would you tell anyone say, say just, just pretend you won Powerball, $26 million who's the first person you'd tell your mum, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome anyone else Daughter? Cool. Husband or wife? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good, eh? <laughs> Especially if they didn't know you bought a ticket. <laughs> <clears throat> no, I wouldn't do that, babe, don't worry. <clears throat> so something very similar happened to Mary. Uh, just before this verse in Luke, uh, and the angel Gabriel appeared to her with the incredible news that she would become pregnant and bear the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Saviour of the world. Who would you tell if you were Mary? Would you tell your parents? Hey, Mum, Dad, I'm going to get pregnant. Joseph's not the father. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <clears throat> Joseph, Joseph, I'm going to get pregnant. You're not the father. Maybe not as well. <laughs> Who would you tell? It's a, it's a tough one. Our reading today starts by um, Mary hurrying off. Did you notice that? She... She hurried off, got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, presumably by herself. This is a single girl charging off to her cousin's place. Why did she do that? I was intrigued by what was was going on and why she did that. And why did Luke include the story in his gospel? In fact, I added up all the verses related to John the Baptist and 64% of them in the first chapter of Luke are actually related to John the Baptist, not Jesus. I thought, that's a big chunk of your book to devote to someone who's not Jesus. And I thought, What's, why did Luke do this? Why, what, was he, what was his intention? So we're just going to go on a bit of a, a journey for some background information. And then we're going to bring it back and ask what is the relevance for us today? <coughs> so who was Elizabeth other than Mary's cousin? Well, early in Luke 1, we read Elizabeth was married to a priest called Zechariah, and both were very godly and very old. And the Greek word for old is probaino, which has also been trans- translated, I leap forward. So we're not talking about long jump, we're talking about age. So someone who leaps forward in age means they, I'm guessing, well past 60 because I'm almost 50 and I'm not, not very old. So <clears throat> so I'm thinking well past 60. In any case, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. <clears throat> so on top of the fact that they were very old, they hadn't been able to conceive even when they were young. So the chances of them having any children at this age was practically zip. Now, Zechariah was a priest serving in the temple, and you wouldn't think that there would be many of them, but it turns out that in Jesus' day, there were 20,000 priests. 20,000, that's a lot. One of the functions of a priest was that he could be chosen by lot, so they draw draw a lot. And um, the priest would, would go into the temple of the Lord with a group of others, and he had the very special task of burning incense and offering prayers to God. And even with the burning of incense being offered every morning and night, if you do the maths on twenty thousand priests, um, I reckon there's probably you've got one or two chances in your lifetime to actually offer the incense. So, to a godly man like Zechariah, this is probably the biggest event of his life—a tremendous, a tremendous privilege, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Not only was he to offer the incense, but he was to offer prayers for his nation as well. And everyone gathered at the temple that day would bow and kneel and pray as well. So this was a really big deal. And Luke writes that one day Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God. And as he was offering the incense, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will be your son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now many assume that Zechariah must have been praying for a child when he was on duty that day but i don't think so he's there to offer prayers of the nation it would be like be like you leading the national anthem or something and you're, you're kind of you you kind of praying a prayer about you know your own personal life it just it's, it doesn't seem right that Zechariah would be doing this and the second thing is he's probably prayed and prayed and prayed for years and years and years and the time's gone He's given up the dream. There's no chance that he and Elizabeth would ever have children anymore, so why would he be praying? So I think the angel Gabriel, when he, when he said, your prayer has been heard, it must have been in the past. That's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. So it's probably more likely that Zechariah was praying for the Messiah to come and save his people, and little did he know what was about to happen. Sometimes we pray for something for a long, long time, We pray for the salvation of a spouse or child. We pray for a calling or ministry. (coughs) We pray that God would bring that special person to us. But after years of heartfelt prayer, it's easy to give up out of discouragement. (coughs) Excuse me. Zechariah and Elizabeth probably prayed years of passionate prayer for a son, but gave up a long time ago. And I get that. I prayed 20 years for a wife. And I used to gather at Seattle with theirs and John and a few others Tom and they would hear my complaint. <laughs> hey so I get that and, I, and many times I thought no this can't happen praise God that he's still in the business of answering prayers so how blessed was Zachariah to receive, to receive an angelic visit I would have been stoked if an angel appeared to me I said don't panic mate Sarah's on the way but let's get back to what the angel said. What a promise. Even though they were an old barren couple, they were to have a baby. And not just any baby. A very special child who would grow up to become like the great prophet Elijah. He would prepare the people of Israel for the coming of the Lord. What a job description. And what did Zechariah say? Yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. No, he didn't. He said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Nice one, Zach. You're talking with an angel. Is that what you'd say if you're talking with an angel? Uh, I don't think I really believe what you're saying, mate. I just, aren't you grateful how the scriptures portray such typical human behavior? It's very comforting to me. In any case, Gabriel wasn't impressed. He said, I am Gabriel. Who do you think I am? I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. You can almost sense a bit of annoyance, can't you, in Gabriel? Fair enough, too. If I was the angel Gabriel and I appeared to someone and they said, I'm not really sure I believe what you say, mate, I'd be like. <clears throat> so anyway, Zechariah couldn't speak after that. So he couldn't tell his wife when he got home, he had to use sign language and maybe he wrote things down, I don't know. <clears throat> but sure enough, Elizabeth got pregnant, and the scripture says she remained in seclusion for five months. And I did quite a bit of research on why. Why would she remain in seclusion for five months? And no one really knew. Um, some have suggested it was to wait until they were you know, past the 12-week mark, of the trimester, so they were confident. But this doesn't really make sense to me. Um, firstly, because she stayed in seclusion way past three months. And secondly, this is what she said. The Lord has done this for me, she said, and these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Oh, thank you. So she had no doubts. It doesn't sound like someone who's like hiding away just in case it doesn't happen. Personally, I think God was prompting her to remain in seclusion to encourage Mary with her even more dramatic news. Here's what the angel said to her after Mary questioned how she could bear a child when she was a virgin. So this is Mary this time. Same angel Gabriel, but he's talking with Mary. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, he was said to be unable to conceive, was in his sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So, in other words, Elizabeth, if you want proof that what I'm saying is true, is going to happen, why don't you go and visit your cousin Elizabeth? In contrast to the doubt of Zechariah the priest, Mary responds, "I am the Lord's servant; may your word to me be fulfilled." Isn't it interesting that the person we would expect to have responded in faith, the spiritual father. Zachariah doubted, but the spiritual child believed. It's easy to be a bit disappointed in Zachariah and how he responded. But I've been around for four decades, almost five decades now, and I get that life can really squash us sometimes. <clears throat> and no doubt, Zachariah and Elizabeth were pretty squashed by praying all those years and nothing happened. So I don't know if Mary would have responded in such faith if she had had to wait 40 years for her child. So, I don't know. I kind of feel for Zachariah in that, in that response. And I can understand how he responded in that way. So now we can understand why Mary hurried off, right? Wow, my cousin, you're telling me my cousin Elizabeth, who's like 70 years old, is having a baby? Man, okay, so she gets on her donkey and charges off. So I previously thought that she must have already known that Elizabeth was pregnant and wanted to share her news with someone she already knew was in the same boat, if a much older one. But no, the first Mary knew that Elizabeth was pregnant was from the angel Gabriel. And the first person Elizabeth told after her time of seclusion was probably Mary when she came in the door and greeted her. And just as the angel had foretold, John was filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born and leapt for joy when he heard Mary's voice. Elizabeth knew that Mary was going to carry a child that was far more special than hers to the extent that she called the child, my Lord. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now there's no indication here that Mary was actually pregnant at this stage. So this I think is actually a prophecy. An incredible prophecy, the mother of my Lord. Wow, <laughs> I, I didn't prearrange that. <clears throat> okay, so the ministry of John, who this child John who leapt for joy while still in his mother's womb. Now that we've under, understand a bit more about this passage that we read from Luke, uh, we can explore that that question: Why did Luke include this? big segment on john the baptist and his parents and his gospel why did luke consider john's ministry so important and it seems to me that luke is emphasizing how special jesus was by comparing him to john who was himself exceedingly special now john was the last prophet right since malachi there was a 400 year gap now the people of israel were probably like Zechariah and elizabeth they've been praying for so long for God to move, for God to send a prophet, nobody turns up for 400 years. You would have given up by then, wouldn't you? Okay, maybe God's forgotten about us. And yet, with John the Baptist, here was a true prophet, and the last prophet. He's no more prophets in the the line of the Old Testament were to come. God was moving again and moving in a huge way. Now, John's whole life purpose was about Jesus. If you look at his life, he never got married or had kids. He had no money. He didn't store up anything. He didn't have a flash house. He lived in the desert. He didn't enjoy the finer things in life. Poor bloke, he couldn't have any wine. No craft beer. He went about in camel's hair. He ate locusts and wild honey, that's it. Locusts are coming back into fashion, insect bars, but I'm not sure that I'm keen. And he made some very powerful enemies in the form of King Herod by telling him it wasn't lawful to have his brother's wife Herodias. And his father Zechariah prophesied John's purpose. This is what he said, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture. John's role was to prepare the way for Jesus by calling the people of Israel to repent. What does the word repent mean? The Greek word for repent is metanoia to change one's mind or purpose. So it's from uh, meta, changed, after being with, and noia, think. So it means to think differently after, after a change of mind. To repent means to literally think differently afterwards. So to repent then is no less than to change the purpose of our lives. It's a big deal, isn't it? We, We use the word repent so glibly but it actually means to examine the purpose of our lives. And if it doesn't line up with God, to change that purpose. Purpose is defined as the reason for which something exists. God, uh, John called people to repent and turn from their sin. And so sin is a much bigger thing than just doing wrong things, right? It's having the wrong purpose. That's what sin is. Ultimately, sin is having the wrong purpose in life. <clears throat> so it's much bigger than... We just, we just bring it down to when we, when we sin, we, we lose our temper, we, we look lustfully at somebody or something like that. We're greedy. No, it's much bigger than that. Sin um, is um, about having the wrong purpose in life. Doing wrong things is a symptom of having the wrong purpose in life. John's purpose in life was to prepare the way for the Lord, which means that Jesus was so important that John had no trouble spending his whole life dedicated to preparing a way for him. I found this guy, Isaac um, Gross, who wrote, Surely in the life of John it is clearly seen that no message, no foundation, no principle, no covenant, no greatness, no power of any kind is of value, help or purpose, save that it remains solidly within the awesome shadow of Jesus Christ, who is the head of all things in the church and in whom all fullness dwells. I wonder what John would make of our Western civilization with its emphasis on finding our purpose in sexual relationships, wealth, achievement, productivity, and pleasure. What would he say about that? He'd say, you're heading in the wrong direction. You've got the wrong purpose. If, if we're seeking to, to feather our nest, to, to, to become a billionaire, unless it's within the, the context of Christ, you're wasting your time. I spent so long asking God seeking for a wife, it took me a long time to realize that my whole purpose in life was orientated towards getting a wife. It wasn't actually to seek the Lord. Oh it's probably a mixture to be fair, right? But it was only when I was like, okay, over to you Lord, let's get back on track. And then Sarah came along. It's quite interesting. Wouldn't he be calling all of us to repent? Wouldn't he be telling us we've got a reason for being all wrong? Wouldn't he be telling us that none of it makes any sense unless we've got Jesus above it all? What would John the Baptist say to you this Christmas? What would he say to me? Wouldn't he ask us to examine our hearts, to ask ourselves what is the real purpose of our lives? What is the purpose of your life? Can you answer that question? What is the purpose of your life? James Smith, in his book, You Are What You Love, writes this. What do you want? That's the question. It is the first, last, and most fundamental question of Christian discipleship. This is the most incisive, piercing question Jesus can ask of us, precisely because we are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity. The wellspring from which our actions and behaviour flow. John the Baptist would tell us the answer to that question it should be Jesus. What is the purpose of our lives? It should be Jesus. But he would also tell us it's not about should, it's about what is. What is the purpose of our lives? not what should be the purpose of our lives. If the answer for us is not Jesus, John would call us to repent, to change our purpose, to change the way we think. How on earth can we accomplish such a monumental task as changing the very foundation on which our lives are built? The answer, I believe, is part of the definition of repent that we looked at previously. Changed after being with changed after being with. In the scriptures, people changed after being with Jesus. When they saw the love in his eyes for them, when they knew how valuable and precious they were to him, when they could see he was for them, not against them. Nothing else really mattered to them. You think about how many people, Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, Mary, the list goes on and on. After they got the fact that Jesus Love them, and that they were extremely precious to him. Nothing else really mattered after that. This Christmas, can I ask each one of you to take some time out to be with Jesus? <coughs> seek his presence. Seek his face. Allow him to come close to the very deepest parts of you. And maybe you too will find that you have been changed after being with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have the power to change us because you are the God of grace, the God of unmerited favor, and it is grace that changes us. Lord, this Christmas, help us to open our hearts to you. Help us to examine our hearts, to let you examine them. Lord, David prayed, examine my heart. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Show me if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, we would pray the same prayer this Christmas. Lord, would you come and and minister to us to show us what's in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.